Welcome to A Lunch with Biggie, a podcast about small business and creatives sharing their stories and inspiring you. Today, I have the pleasure of inviting one of my good friends, Ashley Withy. She is the co-owner of Friend Lily Press. Um, she's a designer, she's a mom, and overall, she's just a badass. Um, I really wanted to have her on because I love her story, but I also love the progression of where her business is going. And I just think it's something really interesting to be able to see someone as they're going through an explosion of business. Um, so I think it'd be a really, it's a, definitely a pleasure and an honor um, to have you on today. Hi, Biggie. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. So let's go. I want. I have a f- some first question just because I've always wanted to ask you this. How did you guys come up with the name Friend Lily Press? A lot of trial and error, I guess. Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think about that one. So we obviously brainstormed a ton of different names. We wanted to make sure that our name was representative to our meeting. And, you know, there's a lot of random words we could have picked or things that were Orlando related. But at the end of the day, everything we do is about based around like our morals and our goals and our business model. And that is to do things in a friendly way. I always want people to meet me and kind of automatically have a connection with me. You know, I want you to feel like you've known me forever based on our first conversation. But so we did a lot of research and we kind of stumbled across the word friendly, which most people think we made that word up, but it actually is an adverb. It means to do things in a friendly way. And I think we try to succeed to do that every day in our business. That, that's awesome. I love I love hearing the background of things like that. So I definitely appreciate you uh, you giving me that. Um, one of the one of the interesting things and obviously reading your bio and anyone who reads it um, can will hear obviously quite a bit about it. But um, I know I'm intrigued because I want to know about your story about how you originally started with Ashley Beth Design um, and how that evolved from Ashley Beth Design to Friend Lily Press. And I know I know part of the story when you read it, people read it, they'll they'll know that it's a lot of it was kind of. I want to say almost kind of like a personal artistic response to what happened with the Pulse um, tragedy and when you did the, the Love Orlando Orange. Um, can you kind of t- tell people a little bit about that story, about how, how it kind of evolved from where you were, like kind of your brand to then all of a sudden becomes friendly press with you and Red? Yeah, so um, Red's background is he's the art director of Big Eye, which is an advertisement agency here in Orlando. Um, back then, we both had separate businesses that were just kind of like our own side bit where we got to do things that were fun. They weren't work-related, kind of. We both worked jobs where it was constantly people telling us what they wanted us to make. So it was our way of kind of getting that stuff out of our system that we wanted to make. And I was working freelance. Um, obviously, like I said, we're both graphic designers as our background. And when the Pulse nightclub shooting tragedy happened, it wasn't ever something that we posted on our business pages. I We actually, the funny story is we came up with the concept in a very short amount of time, which is not normal, but I'm going to call it, you know, a creative spark or inspiration. We... Um, we collaborated on it together. We both knew exactly what we wanted to do and we made it just for a Facebook profile. You know, we changed our personal Facebook pages to that. And then we had friends who owned businesses locally that wanted to buy it as stickers. And we had people that were our personal friends that wanted to buy it as stickers or t-shirts, this, that, whatever. And we said, no, you know, we kept having people come to us and we just kept saying no. It wasn't until I want to say it was a market on South. They actually were willing to pay out the design in terms of like having products made. And we said yes, only if they were going to 
donate the money to charity. That was our big thing. We didn't want to financially benefit off of a tragedy. So we started getting local printers to print it. We had um, ordered things ourselves out of our own personal money and we just fundraised. We worked with some other businesses to make other products and that's kind of where it started. And then once um, everything was over, I mean, over briefly, like we, oh gosh, we donated tens of thousands to charity, to local charities between us and the other companies that we were working with that were selling on our behalf, things like that. And then we took it away. We took it away for a long time. We took it away almost three years because we just didn't want anyone to ever have the wrong interpretation of what we were doing with it. And it felt wrong using it in the first place. But I'm telling you, we got messages, emails, everything on a daily basis about when is it coming back? When can I buy it? I saw this or I bought this and I want a new one or I want to gift it to somebody. And we kept saying over and over and over again, like, we're not making it right now. It's not going to happen. We might bring it back. Like, we, we weren't really sure. We didn't know what was the right response. Like I said, we didn't want people to have the wrong impressions of what we were doing. So we waited a long time. And when we rebranded into Friendly Press in 2019, we um, we felt like enough time had gone by, I guess. It, was, it had gotten to this point where we didn't feel it represented a tragedy as much as it represented the uni- unity in the community. So that was really the only reason we brought it back. And even to this day, we are super limited on what we use it for um it has a larger portion of proceeds that go to charity even to this day and um you know we've had other cities actually ask if we can make their versions of it um and I keep saying no I just I don't know it feels wrong it feels dirty to me to do that like I can't do that so we have done an orange design for other cities without the rainbow but like we've completely redesigned it for them and like I will it's an Orlando thing it represents Orlando so that's awesome. You um you brought up a topic that um that I thought to be very interesting as well. You you had mentioned that a lot of the proceeds went to donation to different organizations and one of the things that I I absolutely love is the idea that you donate portions of your sales to different Orlando-based nonprofits and you actually have um you have you actually have your customers tell you, you know, hey, who do you recommend? Like who do we not know that maybe we should? Um where did you guys come up with that idea to do? I mean, and and something, you know, is like, and I'm just kind of curious as a small business, is this something that you do? It sounds, this is like nitty gritty. Like, are you guys like writing every month? Like, okay, we did it for this organization. Now we're writing a check for this one at the end of the month. Or is it one of those that you guys do every quarter? You guys like are writing checks. How does all that work? Uh, so it is monthly. What we do is at the beginning of every month, we go onto social media and we put out a a question and for our followers we let them decide we always try to keep the money here in Orlando we try to keep it with small nonprofits we don't want you know commercialized corporate nonprofits to benefit because they already have more than enough money and there's plenty of organizations right here in our hometown that are small businesses just like you and I that are just trying to make a difference so we do reach out to our followers we ask them we do do a poll um, generally we just try to see like what's the overwhelming response that people are asking for And then at the end of the month, yeah, we just donate a portion of our sales proceeds to that charity and we kind of keep people involved. We set up extra links onto our social media Instagram stories so that they can donate separately or if they want to buy products, they know that their purchases are going to a good cause. So that's awesome. I I, I really, I really, really love that idea. Um, The so. So one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, obviously, because I love your story. But the other the other one is because 
I mean, you guys have, I love seeing your Instagram stories and I love, you know, based on our conversations, hearing the explosion that you're, that you guys have kind of gone into like, and one some of the areas, like, you know, I know that you basically, the, the success is everything in the last like three years, you know, like how did you go from doing markets and pop-ups and kind of like online to initially actually having your products into stores and doing wholesale and then now you're at a point where you're not just being Orlando based, but you're actually going national. So like, can you kind of give me an idea of like evolution or, or kind of thought process of where you guys went from, I guess let's start first with how did you guys go from markets pop up online to, Hey, I'm going to start selling my stuff at smaller businesses or wholesale to other places. Um, by accident, uh, we did the pop-up thing. We thought we were just a little maker shop. Like I said, we were doing a lot of things just because it satisfied our soul. And then we just started having vendors come to us. We had a lot of stores that just really wanted to carry merchandise. Obviously, the Love Orlando Orange was a very big one. That was a popular request. And we just started selling locally. And more and more orders came. And then we just realized we were kind of outgrowing the Orlando market, not in a bad way. It's just, we kind of capped out. We were so busy doing Orlando stuff, but there's only so many stores in Orlando. And then we started getting requests from other places and it kind of just all happened how it happened. Um, probably not the most exciting answer, but you know, everything in life happens for a reason and it's kind of happened on its own path on its own pace. And it's always been referral based for us. Like everything that's ever happened has been based on somebody else telling somebody else about us. That's, that's awesome. And so then that's kind of how it evolved then from you guys going for our, you know, as you start referring, you're obviously then more opportunities come. And a lot of times, you know, how do you guys, how are you handling the growth because, you know, you know, maybe at the same time, you're kind of maybe a little bit smaller trying to do things more in house. Now you're starting now, I'm assuming friendly now is like taking over your house or taking over somewhere. How does that like, how are you guys, you know, and not to mention the other aspect of it is, and, and of course I'm thinking of it as a small business owner because it's just me. Um, you know, how do you go from that to all of a sudden now having other people help you? Cause it's not just you now there's a, you have a staff. Yeah, we do. Um, it did. It was like the beginning of this year. It was like a light switch for us. We had one of our local retailers who is like a gem and is Stacy from Yeah Tiny Shop, who's amazing. She actually was talking to one of her brand rep reps who comes into her store to sell about our brand. And I got a phone call that evening from our brand rep, Sabrina, and it literally took off from there. We had orders being placed all around the state literally overnight once we had her signed on with us. And it's been nuts. I would say the hard part about selling wholesale is if you're a small business, you really have to go into starting your small business with the mindset that you will be a wholesaler. Wholesale is a whole nother beast compared to selling direct to consumer. If you're going to be selling wholesale, you have to think about, like you said, it's quantities and size and price you're not selling something to a small business at the same price that you're selling something direct to consumer because they can't sell it for twice what you would sell it to direct to consumer so there's definitely a lot of logistics that go into it um I've been very blessed I will say that I have a very good support system in my family and we have a lot of financial backing from our family and um Honestly, that's the only way we've been able to do it. You know, it takes a lot of money to be a wholesaler. It's not impossible. Any, you know, people can do it if they put their mind to it, but 
if you're going to be a small business that wants to focus on wholesale, you have to start from the beginning. Start from the ground up. It's just the the better way to go. I wish I would have. That's one of those things I wish I would have known back then was if I was going to do wholesale, I should have just started from there. And um, yeah, it's been crazy. We Like I said, we have been getting orders all around the country. We actually have some big box stores that we're trying that not we're trying to get into. We have some meetings lined up with some bo- big box stores. We um, we actually are working on an order right now for a chain of grocery stores out of Seattle. We are um, we have some contacts in other countries that we're talking to and trying to figure out the logistics for that. And yeah, it's been crazy. We are taking over my house. My house is 2,500 square feet. And if you're in Orlando, you know, that's a very large house for Orlando and um, half of it is the business and not by choice. It's just kind of creeped its way into every nook and cranny in my house. And we have a team of eight people now, which is crazy. Um, not all of them obviously work on site. There's a lot of them that work remote, but we do have a production team that is running orders, packaging orders, fulfilling wholesale orders, things like that. And so it's been a learning curve. You know, every day has literally been something completely new, something that I had to learn from scratch, or I'll get somebody to ask me a question about something and I, I don't even know what they're talking about. And I'm in the middle of a conversation Googling, like, what does this mean? <laughs> what I, I, one of my, one of my reps asked me the other day, how many doors the store had. And I'm like, doors I don't what I don't know how am I supposed to know how many doors a grocery store has and she she had to like very nicely explain to me it means locations (laughs) something I've never thought about but yeah there's like I said that's why um starting out wholesale if you're going to do it is the way to go but we are growing we're we're in the process of trying to find a warehouse and upgrading our machinery to try and keep up with supply and supply and demand sorry and um other than that, just preparing for market in July, which is going to be like the whole next big boom. We do have a market in Seattle next week that we're not going to be at. Our, on our representative for the Northwest is going to represent us out there. Um, but yeah, like I said, every day. It's a, it's a new learning challenge, but it's fun. Yeah, I can, I can definitely imagine that. And I guess being, I guess the two, I guess, I guess the big thing is like, how do you handle you definitely have to be adaptability. There's got to be some adaptability there because obviously as you're growing and just basically saying, F it, I'm just going to like, I'm going all in and I'm just going to do this because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people that usually sometimes will go with the, oh, I don't know if I can do this or I can't, I can't handle this or you basically then you almost like self limit yourself. So like how, how do you get over the hurdle? Because I mean, that that is not something that all businesses can do. I'll, I'll admit I am one of them. I, I basically tend to hurdle myself very often when it comes to this. So like, how do you guys, how do you do it? I mean, how do you go? Because you're, I mean, the other thing is this, and just to kind of go a little bit into the Friend Lily Press product line, it's not like you're just doing, you know, like postcards and prints and station. You're doing stationary. You're doing acrylics. You're doing cutting boards. You're doing laser engraving. I mean, there's there's keychains. There's pins. There's enamels. There's shirts. I mean, you're now. It's this is a full full on brand and line. So it's like, how do you go about like you know getting to that? How do you get yourself uncomfortable, or how do you deal with getting yourself uncomfortable? Because literally, literally, these are all stretch. Um, things to get you uncomfortable. How are you, you know, what's your mindset? What do you, you know, how do you go by it? Well, I mean, I, I do go through my mental breakdowns. Don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, I have my moments and I just have to kind of regroup a little bit um, when things are 
I'm not always the best at handling stress. I will admit that, but we always manage to make it through. Um, we, you know, my friend Miranda is kind of like one of those people that I think about when something like that comes up because she had told me about this one book and, um, one of the quotes in the book was talking about like how ideas are like muses. And when you have like, when an idea comes to you, you, you have to like grab it and do it. And if you don't like a muse, it will leave you and find someone else. And that's like really stuck with me since she told me about that. And I use that concept every day in my life. So I, I just do it. You know, it's, it's a hard thing to think about, but that was kind of something I went into 2021 thinking about anyways, was that, you know, don't tell me, my mom always says this too. Don't tell me that something can't be done, figure out a way to do it. So yes, I work very, very late nights. I went to bed last night at three o'clock in the morning because I was working on a line sheet for our, for the Northwest region and fulfilling wholesale orders up until that time. But you know, it just, you just got to do it. You know, that's the hard thing is just telling yourself, like, don't tell yourself that you can't do it. Just do it. No, that's absolutely true. And that's something that I've actually tried to change on my mindset because I've kind of, um, you know, in my mind, I've always been, I, I truly admire folks that do their business full time. Um, cause I'm kind of one of those where I have a full-time job, but then I also do this on the side and there's nothing wrong with that. But I sometimes feel obviously like, when you go all in and it's kind of like, I'm going all in, I got not, I'm, I'm basically, there's, there's definitely a different, like I have a harness and I know that. And it's sometimes it's one of those where like, when are you ready to t- cut that harness or ready to take that step? And many times you have to also be realistic though on the harness. I think, I think to, in my particular case, being the brand that I have in very niche and what I've cur- currently have, I feel like I have to have the harness because I'm not, my sales, my sales are not predicating me to become say, Hey, listen, I'm ready to take the next step. That's not saying that when that time comes, I'm not going to, but as of right now, it's very beneficial to do that. Um, in your particular case, I love the fact that you guys are just kind of the explosion is happening so fast. And if anything, you actually are trying to catch, catch your breath and at the same time grow. Um, and speaking of breath, I guess, obviously, you know, you got to have time to eat. I, I am kind of curious because I do always have to ask the sandwich question. Um, you know, what is your favorite sandwich? And then where do you usually go to get a sandwich? Okay, Biggie. So um, I knew you were going to ask me this. I just knowing you, I knew you were going to ask me this. And I thought, thought very deeply about this. And you're going to hate my answer. But I'm celiac. <laughs> So I can't eat bread. Okay. <laughs> um, doesn't mean I've never had it. I always have people ask me that, like, so you don't know what bread tastes like. I know what bread tastes like. I know what food tastes like and cookies. Like, I wasn't always celiac. If you are um, celiac, you know it is a lot of times it's an onset allergy um, or autoimmune response. So it was something that didn't happen to me until later in life. Um, but man, I'm telling you, I miss pub subs. And I know that's probably like the stupidest thing to say. But when Callaway was born, I made a joke that no one was allowed to come and see him at the hospital unless they brought me a roast beef pub sub and a Dr. Pepper. Like that was the requirement because I just went nine months without eating that. And so 
yeah i mean there's a lot of really great restaurants that i miss eating at not just sandwich wise but really everything so you know so now i guess what would be now your go-to do you have a go-to lunch because obviously listen i i know everyone knows me as a sandwich person but i i love all foods that i'm i'm not a. I definitely do not discriminate so where what's your go-to then favorite uh favorite lunch item hmm i like rice bowls a lot um like bole has that kale bowl and like their kale is so good um i get a lot of pokey i mean sushi in general at this point because we have been so busy and whatever uber eats will deliver to my house (laughs) yeah uber eats definitely been uh been our friend for sure on during this whole pandemic and everything like that how how are you guys well i had i did have another question on the sense of since when i brought up the topic of all the different things that you guys create and build because you guys are creating a lot of these things like, did you guys did you and Rhett have experience with acrylics and wood 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 engraving and like you know laser engraving and stuff like that like where did you guys get that experience from um no we didn't have like a background in that so like I said Rhett and I both have a background in graphic design we had an art background which I think you need in that instance just or at least like a pretty good knowledge of how to work like design software because that's how we have to build everything out is in design software. And then um, we just kind of learned, but that's kind of been the way with everything is we've learned, you know, there's, don't get me wrong. We took a long time to learn before we brought anything to market. I, I think you should, you don't, don't put yourself out there if you literally have no idea how to do something because then you're underselling your, your customer base and you don't want I don't want my first customer to have a different quality of something from my 10,000th customer other than like maybe packaging upgrades. So, you know, hone in, find, if you find something you really love and want to do it, hone in on that skill and then make it something. Um, but yeah, no, we just, we learned and it was more of a, something we had been wanting to do for a really long time. And we just took the, took the plunge and did it. And we still do it, honestly. There's, you know, we've been adding a lot of new machinery just because, like, we have ideas that we want to make reality, and it does require learning a lot of new things. So, same thing. To this day, we're still constantly learning. You never stop learning. If you think you know everything, then you know nothing. I totally agree. You got so many great quotable things, by the way. That's <laughs> <laughs> when you, as we're talking. Um, what advice would you give someone who wants to start something and is a, either afraid to start? Or just make is making excuses from not, you know, for not starting it. (sighs) Good advice for somebody that wants to start a business. Well, I mean, look at your market. You know, you have to know, is there a want or a need for what you're doing? Which if it's different and fun, you know, there's, there's always somebody that's going to buy stuff. And even if you are doing something that other people are doing there, the market's big enough for everybody. But at the same time too, I think it's really important. Like don't, do something to start a business just to start a business it's okay to have hobbies and I know that probably sounds really terrible but like I don't know like my mom tells me (laughs) my mom's gonna listen to this and be so mad that I'm saying this she tells me all the time like you should do this you should do that and I'm like mom I I love doing these things but I do it because I love it for me like there's plenty of things like I know how to sew and I know how to you know do a lot of things that aren't things in our shop but it's because I do it to feed my soul, not to, to feed my wallet. Um, that's okay. I feel like, I don't know if it's a generational thing and like maybe it's our generation being pressured by your parents, but it's, it's okay to do things just for you. 
I don't, I think that there's a lot of people that get talked into starting a business because they enjoy doing something. And then that kind of takes the joy out of the item sometimes. So that's definitely something to think about. Um, but if you're really passionate about what you do and you really want to make it a business, just, you know, write it out, make set intentions and goals for yourself and, and do it. You know, nobody's telling you to not do something that you want to do, but you know, put thought into it and put care into it. And that's the most important thing. And then people will love what you do. Very true. Very true. And one of the things that you have, I know one of the, because my, uh, my wife, my, my wife's obsessed with friend Lily press. So if you have not checked it out, definitely. Um, if you haven't done it, you can definitely do it while you're listening to this. You can definitely ch- start surfing and check friend Lily press. But, um, my, uh, my wife and my daughter, they have like everything they have. We have, we have enough friend Lily press in here, um, which I'm perfectly fine with. I absolutely love it. Whenever she tells me she's going to go shopping, I'm like, yep, go right ahead. <laughs> Say hi to Ashley for me. Um, obviously one of the big things that I try to push and, and it's something that you, you mentioned to me during a conversation was that a lot of people don't do hobbies. They try to do businesses and, and I'm actually, you're absolutely right. I mean, in the sense that I've, I've made it where I'm trying to make, and maybe it's because I'm trying to show my entrepreneurial side and trying to instill it to my daughter, but like I'm trying to get my daughter to do not monetize it or anything like that, but I'm trying to make her so, because she's a huge avid, she's an avid, avid reader. Um, and she's an avid baker. Like those are her two favorite things. Um, so I always joke around about how she should open her own like shop and whatnot. And she's actually talked about how she wants to like sell pies. Um, but my big thing for me was originally trying to push on the aspect of, Hey, you should really do a book review or you should do like a, even like an Instagram where you at least talk about or a blog post about reading and like about the books you write and like you've read and stuff like that. And I love her response. And I obviously, as an, uh, a parent, I, I value her response and, and her what her thoughts are. She's like, Daddy, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to, I don't want to spoil it for someone, but I also don't want to. Um, I basically just let me be type of thing. Like, she's like, let me be, let me just enjoy my books. Um, and if the time comes, obviously. But I guess for me, my big thing is my parents um, never really kind of instilled the idea of entrepreneurship, um, with me. So like, obviously I think it's going to be very amazing to see what Callaway, your three-year-old, um, will see because for that, for him, this is normal. This is normal life. Seeing your parents going for something that they believe in, that they care about and actually evolving and going into. And I think, um, I think it's so important because for me, it's like, I'm trying to instill that in my daughter because I didn't get it. I didn't get it. And, you know, and, and I want her to be able to see it. So I think it's very amazing to see, to show Callaway those things, um, or to show any of your children as you're doing these type of things. Um, obviously one thing that is always difficult and no one wants their child to experience, but it's real life is failure. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like how, how do you guys go about with the thought process of failure? Have you had experiences where you've either had a failure where you've learned from it and been able to, you know, grow from it, obviously, cause everything is an experience. Um, or have you had, what's your, you know, kind of, what have you guys gone through to, you know, based on that failure to be able to kind of grow from it or at least learn from it? Back to what you had just said really fast, but I, my personal background for what it's worth, my mom is an entrepreneur. My mom had, was a writer and editor for Kiplinger Business and Financial Magazine when I was a child. She worked for the news station um, and she started a nonprofit organization for children down in South Florida. So my entire childhood was watching her be like this badass boss lady. Um, and she's definitely my role model. But what's funny is that of my me, I'm one of four. 
I'm the only one that runs my own business. My, um, my brother, my oldest brother is actually a pi- like a pilot for a pri- private corporation. And, um, my sister is a, you know, a real estate broker. So I'm the only one that like gained that, uh, entrepreneurial spirit, I suppose. Um, and I definitely think she pushes me. And I'm sure when you see Bella doing things that that's why you push her too, because you see those traits in her, which is a good thing. It's a good thing to like encourage your kids. But like you said too, I think this with Callaway. Yes, there's a good chance he'll grow up and want to do things. I always tease that Rhett and I are very creative and he will be completely the opposite. Like he's going to grow up and be an engineer because he has literally no interest in creativity stuff. Um, but no, I just want him to grow up and be happy. I want him to do whatever he wants to do. And I know my mom would say the same about me. Um, but, you know, there's, like I said, there's definitely things you have to do just because it, f- it feeds your soul. Doesn't mean that you can't do it for a living. Just means that like, you know, do whatever makes you happy. Like that's like, what's the point of living if we don't think, do things that make us happy? Yeah. And then you were asking about, sorry, about failure. Yeah. Um, yeah, failure happens for us all the time. It does, you're... It doesn't matter if you're a Etsy shop or selling at markets or selling statewide or national or worldwide. Failure is going to happen for everybody. Um, It's just how you handle failure is what separates us. So for us, you know, we've, you know, I worry about every single product launch. Like I have major anxiety every time something new comes because that little devil in the back of my mind is like, everybody's going to hate this. (laughs) Like nobody's going to like this. Nobody likes you. And I'm like, stop. It's going to do good. It's going to do good. It's going to do good. And sometimes it doesn't. And you just got to take what you learn from that experience and then go on to the next product. That's really just all it breaks down to. It's, you know, there's definitely like financial risks and you have to assess that when you're introducing either a new product or a new line. Um, But that's the beauty of it is like you can grow. If something does really well, then you can do more things like that. If it doesn't do well, then maybe you don't do that type of thing. So it's um it's a constant adjustment. You know, obviously, as you know, Biggie, we're doing a lot of like the white labeling drinkster sets right now for all these different um, retailers nationwide. And if you had asked me that that was going to be like our bread and butter like a year ago, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> Like I would have just straight it laughed at your face because that doesn't make any sense to me. I didn't know that that was going to be a thing, but people like what they like. And when the, you find that you just go for it. So it's helped us propel into that next level and it's allowing us to do a lot more things that we wanted to do in a way we want to do it. But, you know, that's kind of, you just learn what people want yeah. and you adjust. White labeling. Does it is it a balance of trying to figure out between your own? I mean, obviously, white when you're doing white labeling, you're creating something for someone else um, with their labeling um, is kind of the, the basic gist of it. Um, but it's obviously your product being created um, in their name. And do you ever sometimes have a balance or how difficulty of like, hey, like, are we becoming more, you know, kind of like the balance of your own creative aspects of you trying to create your own stuff for Friend Lily, but at the same time doing the white labeling side of it? Is there is there ever a struggle there? I think Rhett struggles with that more mentally because that's kind of how he views things. But in my mind, it's still our art. Um, most of the time they're they're choosing designs from a library of designs we've already made and are even with the white labeling, our name is still on the packaging. It just says like so-and-so made by made, made for so-and-so by friend Lily press. So, um, 
our name's still on things. And obviously that's only one product. You know, when a retailer comes to us, you know, they're buying a lot of different things. They have to fill minimum order quantities and, you know, like the keychains, like we just had those orange blossom Florida keychains that came in and I've had almost every order that had those keychains on the, their order, their PO order. And those are, have our name on it. I'm not white labeling those. We're only white labeling certain products. So to say that it takes away our identity is not really true. Um, if anything, it just helps a us financially because it's more sales Two, it helps them because it means that you can have stores in the same area that are selling the same types of products with that are still different and they're still us so it's increasing the amount of stores that we're able to sell to so in wholesale you have zip code rights which essentially it's about generally it's about three mile radius that you can't sell the same you can't sell your brand or the same type of brand or same types of products to stores within a three mile radius based on like you know, like I said, rights to that area. And obviously that changes if they become a dormant account. So after a cup, after like, I think it's like 12 weeks or something, an account is considered dormant. And then you can open up to selling to other people because we're white labeling with our name on it. It is still our name and it opens up more doors referencing back to that quote earlier or more doors that we can sell to. Um, so it just means more income for the business and more income coming into the business means more things that we're able to do. It means more people we're able to hire. It means bringing more services to our area and more donations to our area. So it all around and benefits everyone. And what we're finding, especially with our wholesalers, is that they are able to create something that's different from their neighbor that is some that drives people in. And that's important. You know, this is, it probably sounds terrible, but... Um, there's a lot of controversy right now around FAIR, which is a wholesaling website. And I hear this a lot from like brand reps and like showrooms is that every all these stores have a lot of the same products. And a lot of retailers too are telling us the same thing. We've had a lot of our retailers saying that they get frustrated when they buy something and then from directly from the artist or directly from the manufacturer, but they're also selling through FAIR. So they they still end up having the same thing as their neighbor next door or the person next door is using their house zip code. So they get past that zip code, right? Because they don't have somebody that's actually monitoring it. So this is kind of our way of like being able to give them something that's different and fun and customizable to them and their personality or what their shop theme is or their clientele is, because it doesn't matter if you're, you know, right next door to somebody, you might have completely different clients you might have completely different types of products or a completely different theme and then you're like I said you're still opening up the potential for more no I absolutely love it and you know obviously I think it's great because I plan to hopefully uh, do some stuff with friend Lily press as well so hint hint probably so um, so that's definitely a good thing um, I, I like you know obviously my lunch break is about coming to an end so I kind of wanted to see if you can kind of give everyone an idea of where they can follow you where they can shop and get look support you and check out your products um, you know by all means please uh, the floor is yours so obviously you can find us online at friendlilypress.com it's f-r-i-e-n-d l-i-l-y like a lily flower and um, we're also on social media at the same name at friendly press but if you're local to orlando i would definitely suggest like go into one of the local stores that carries us we're all over town you can find us at maffrey's 
uh, Paper Goat Post, Good Crowd, uh, Yeah Tiny Shop, Infusion Tea, the History Center, Discover Downtown. I know I'm missing a ton of different names because, you know, thinking about them is difficult. There is a link on the website. If you go down to the bottom, there is a stockist link. You can see everywhere that we're carried in the Orlando area. And um, even if you want to chat, you have questions, you know, shoot me a DM on Instagram. Like I said, I'm all about like building connections and talking to people. And hopefully, uh, hopefully someone out there is inspired to do something they love or, you know, whether it's a business venture or something that just like I said, feeds their soul and what they want to do. So, well, that's our show for today. So thank you so much, Ashley, for, for being on and having lunch with me. Um, definitely make sure to check them out online. Um, and the, I definitely recommend you check it out and go definitely go to one of the stores because I think one of the great things about those stores, trust me, my wife likes going to them. I love going to them because I then get to meet other and learn about other creators and other business, small businesses. So not only am I, can I support one, but I can support many when I go to some of those shops, um, which I definitely think is amazing. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, definitely make sure to subscribe to Lunch with Biggie. Um, if you want to support me, by all means, check out my brand, Deli Fresh Threads. Um, do some shopping and definitely tell your friends. Um, thank you so much. Till next time, keep eating sandwiches and follow your passion. 